Vital Educators podcast is hosted by self-development coach, investor, and renowned educator, Ahmed Saqib. Ahmed will speak to fellow educators, young professionals, ordinary people like you and me about their life choices that allowed them to become successful in their careers. He will also delve deeper into the psychology and their perception of success, the good, bad, and the ugly. For young students, he will discuss techniques to help you with your learning and development. Ahmed is committed to helping you determine what you want to do in life. He will share his own life experiences of self-discovery and self-realization that has led him to launch this venture. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to know more about various paths to becoming successful in any profession or passion. Hi guys, Ahmed here from Vital Educators. So today I have a fantastic guest on. Um, she's an author and a speaker and a curriculum developer who has a unique perspective on learning and development. And she has repeatedly helped kids and parents through her company to allow them to learn and develop better. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Thank you very much for coming on to the show, Brandy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I think we should get into it straight away. So you uh, start when I read your um, message, uh, you said that you make learning fun and easy. I just want to pick that apart a bit. How is to you, what is not fun and easy about learning today? And how do you make it fun and easy? Well, one of the things about making learning fun and easy has to do with the mindset, how you look at learning. You know, do you look at learning as something that is natural? And that begins with the parents. If the parents look at look upon learning as something that is hard or forced, then the children mm. are going to view it that way. Mm. And that's why, you know, that's why with my company, I look at not just the kids, because we do develop K-12 curriculum, but mm. we also look at how the parents can be better versions of themselves. Because where you struggle, your child will struggle. Hmm. I see a lot of the perspectives of parents um, as, I don't know whether you would agree with me on this or not, that they know better, especially with a young child. And a young child does not know, well, basically anything because he has not lived the life that they have lived. How do you convince a parent who is so sure that whatever they're doing is right for their child? How would you convince or make them understand that this is a bespoke approach and every child is unique? Therefore, you need to treat them differently as well. Well, it, it starts with paying close attention to your child. Your child mm. will tell you if they're not flourishing. They'll tell you by their mm. actions. They'll tell you by their, their mannerisms. You know, I have three children and they're all extraordinarily different from one another. Hmm. which means that the way I approached their learning had to be different because they didn't learn. You know, in the very beginning, I found myself in that same manner of, why don't you get this? It's easy for me. Why hmm. don't you understand this? It's easy for me. But one of my children, especially, that's not how they learn. They don't learn in the same way as me. And so the more I pushed, the harder they struggled. Hmm. Wow. 
and uh, how did you overcome first when did you recognize that that every single child that you have is unique and what kind of strategies did you develop to make sure each of them learn in their own unique way well so my oldest child my oldest daughter was um she's very much like me and mm. it came very easy to her except for the mm. fact that she needed people she needed people mm. around her all the time Nice. And she actually went through the public school system and flourished. She did very well, was active in all the clubs, and nice. um, that was the right environment for her. But then my oldest son came along, my second child, and um, he's got autism. And hmm. every moment of public school was a nightmare for him. Hmm. He never wanted to go. He would, you know, he would fake being sick or he would make himself sick um, because he didn't want to be around that. Mm. You know, he also doesn't like to read, mm. which it's so, you know, it's such an, it was such an anathema to me because reading is inherent in everything I do. And mm. so what do you do when your child doesn't like to read? You know, I had to start looking for different, looking at his learning differently. and. Being adaptable and being able to learn and grow has gotten me through some really tough times in my life. Hmm. And that, you know, that ability to say, this isn't working and that's okay. You know, I think as parents, a lot of times we can see something's not working, but we don't know what to do then. And the first thing comes with saying, this isn't working and that's okay. Hmm. And so then my, you know, I have three children. So my youngest child is, came along 10 years later and he kind of does a hybrid, you know, last semester, last year, he went mm -hmm. to public school for a while, but it wasn't enough for him. He needed the additional stuff. So we actually went to public school and then homeschooled in the evening because he mm -hmm. needed the additional stimulation um, over and above what public school needed. What kind of child is he? Um, <laughs> he's a bright what, one. What I he's, mean is, as in, what is in an extrovert or an introvert? Is it like your daughter who's an extrovert, or is he an introvert like your second son? Um, he is. He's an extrovert, except for the fact that he's very high strung. Um, hmm. he tends to be very tightly wound, and so where my daughter could go into school and she needed that stimulation and she did very well and she was able to learn. Um, my youngest son goes into public school and enjoys that stimulation and flies through everything they do and mm. then sits around or gets in trouble. You know, he loves it because he loves gym and he loves art like small kids too. But mm. as far as academically, he wasn't learning. Hmm. And how important is it for you to make sure that he learns academically as well as in other aspects of life? Well, you know, the younger they are, the easier, you know, your brains are malleable. Mm -hmm. The younger you are, the easier it is for you to retain information because you haven't formed those, those paradigms and those biases within yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know that you're incapable of doing something when you're young. You think you could do everything. He thinks he's a superhero. And so everything that you can pour into your child and every opportunity that you can give them while they're young um, sets them up for the understanding that 
learning is like breathing. Mm. You know, I have a I have a journal that I have that I created that my kids use and I have a um, on my website that's called a hundred things I didn't know before because I tell my children that everything you discover that you didn't know makes you a better person hmm. and uh, if I was to ask you about your second child um, I, I I know that you you said that um, he's autistic therefore the school wasn't the right environment for him because he wasn't flourishing do you not blame the school system and the system that's been designed not to I won't say not to or ha, or, 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 or the, the system has not kept your child and your child's need in mind um, that hence why he has not succeeded in that environment do you not blame the system you know there there's blame and then there's um how do I put it the school does the best that they're able okay but hmm. the structure of our education system is set up to help the most children they can with the resources they have and in hmm. order to reach the most you know in order to reach the masses somebody has to be left behind and it's a shame and it mm. shouldn't be that way. However, the, the, and you know, I say this now my son's 16. So, you know, it's not something I got when he was four, we had several years of in mm. and out of different schools trying to get him the services that he needed. And some of mm. them did very well and some of them did not. And the key is, mm. you know, yes, the school system struggles at identifying and targeting the outliers. You know, if, mm. if they get the perfect education for 80% of the children, statistically, that's very well. If my child mm. happens to be in that 20%, am I going to sit around and blame the school while he's not learning? Or as a parent, mm. you know, I, I talk about my son's classes that, you know, his teachers would tell me, well, they have 30 students in this class. And my answer was always yes, but I only care about one of them. You know, as mm. a parent, it's my job to step in where the system can't get to. Mm. And do you think, do you feel a sense of responsibility that you have to change the system for those 20% or do you not bother with that whatsoever? We have to try. We have to. Try. And it's not even, mm. you know, will we ever get to 100%? Maybe. Is it realistic? Less likely. Mm. But we can get to 90 and we can get to 95. Mm. You know, every time we try and every step forward we make is a step forward. You know, we have to celebrate the gains that we True. make in our education system. What is it? Um, you know, 10 or okay, maybe not 10 years ago, 30, 40 years ago. Think of as a person of color, think of the education my children would have gotten compared to mm. now. You know, at least they have a chance and at least the system is is trying. And everything we can do to help them like is a step forward as a society that we're making. 
But in the meantime, hmm. you know, in the meantime, while we're helping the society to move forward, we can't forget that as a parent, your main goal is your child. True. And if you if you were to be the say the education secretary uh, or whatever you have the minister I presume or the governor, what kind of things that you would do to the education system in your state to make sure that it becomes autism friendly? Um, I think I think it has to do with changing the mindset. One of the reasons, so my son is homeschooled now. He actually went to public school for a year mm. um, in junior high. And one of the things they kept mm. saying is, you know, they kept telling me is the services he has here aren't available in high school. You know, this kind of thing isn't available in high school. And I would always come back with, with why not? You know, the technology that we have with the technology that's available to us, there should be a way to make services available across the board. Absolutely. And what, what we find or what I've found is that the older the child gets, the less services I've found available. Mm. And, that's absolutely yeah true. and and i think i think where i in you know where i in that place of being able to make um changes and you know one of the things is what happens when you have a special needs child is you attend what's called an iep an indiv- individualized educational mm. process um meeting right mm. and those mm. are um those are difficult. It's a whole bunch of people in a room and you, and it's confusing and it goes by fast. And, you know, I walk into it as prepared as I can be, but it's still a lot of times seems like a me against them situation. Mm. And so, so I think really looking at how, you know, how IEPs and BIPs and, you know, all of those, um, all of those individualized plans are meetings are held and those plans are structured. Um, you know, I think that's where we need to start with the change. And also, I found that <clears throat> now I'm a big proponent of privacy, but mm-hmm. especially with my son, his right to privacy almost got in the way of getting him the help he needed in the public school system because he had an IEP, but nobody read it. You know, his teacher had read it and understood it and did very well. But if he was in the hallways or the cafeteria or any of these other places where you encounter other adults that have responsibility for you, those people should be familiar with your special needs. Substitutes, substitutes should be familiar with your special needs. And whose responsibility is that to educate these other academic professionals? Do you not worry that if you homeschool your second child, he may not develop the skills to interact with other human beings and uh, and, and basically be able to work 
in in a society basically do you do you not worry about those aspects do you do you not think that there are some drawbacks to homeschooling from a from a functional point of view well okay and th- that's a um that's a stereotype that homeschoolers have been fighting for a long long time mm-hmm. is the idea that because a child is homeschooled they're not getting social interaction mm-hmm um, my youngest son, this was actually the first year that he attended school. He he was homeschooled through kindergarten and he went to public school for first grade because I um, honestly, because I needed a babysitter. And, you know, and he only went to half the school before the coronavirus hit. Hmm. And then we were back to homeschool. Right. That doesn't mean he wasn't social. There are so many opportunities out there you know, for kids to be around other kids in that kind of environment. Um, My son does competitive dance. We have, you know, our church groups. We have uh, neighborhoods. We had clubs. We went went to a homeschool co-op with the boys for a while. If your child is not getting social interaction, it's not because of the homeschool. It's because you choose to do that. Hmm. What you're saying is that they, you can you can have extracurricular activities that are away from just homeschooling that will allow the child to get that social interaction. And is that Absolutely. what you're doing? Mm. Absolutely. And we do we do a ton of that. And in fact, distance learning. So a lot of what I do um, centers on distance learning. You know, mm. distance learning has made it so easy for children to interact with people they never would have before. You know, you think of when you send a child to school, right, to public school, they're in a class with 20 to 30 other kids just like them, right? Hmm. They're all, so my son's first grade class was all six-year-olds, all from our town, you know, and so they all had a similar socioeconomic background and they were all the same age and they all went to the same class. Hmm. Now, the things I do with him online or through dance or through, um, you know, we just set up a a YouTube channel for him. The things he does in that sense, he's interacting with people older and younger people that live vastly different lives, you know, that he's getting to learn about and understand. You know, I always say to my kids, how do you love your neighbor if you don't seek to understand them? Mm. And how do you understand somebody if all you ever see are people like you? True. And and one thing homeschooling has afforded us is the ability to get out of our comfort zone and meet and interact with people on a regular basis that aren't like us. Mm. And so I think in that way, the socialization they're getting from me. Now, this all comes back to the parent. As a parent, you decide what you what your kids are exposed to it, it that's why it's that's why my company starts with the parents mm. because learning for your children has to be has to start with you you can't leave it up to this you, you know even if your kids are in public school you can't send them off to school and figure okay they learned and my job is done because your job is just starting fascinating so what would you say to those parents now who are struggling to kind of um, understand their child 
during COVID crisis because the schools are closed and they have no choice but to homeschool them. How should they approach teaching their kids now at home? Well, the first, you know, I always go back to read to your child. Hmm. If you do nothing else in a day, read to your child or read with your child or have your child read to you. Okay. However, um, you know, depending on the age and the ability level and um, the personality of your child, it may be any combination of those. But if that's all you can do is expose your child to, to words, that's starting somewhere. Hmm. And then let, you know, let your child guide you. We, uh, right now, the boys and I are in the midst of uh, designing a theme park. Nice. Yes. Yes. And you would be amazed how many different things you can learn about just in that one idea. You know, and like I said earlier, my youngest son decided he wanted to start a YouTube channel It's called mm. Daniel's Brain. Nice. And I said, okay, but I'm not going to do it for you. I will help you. But through that, he's had to watch videos and he's had to read things and he had to learn a little bit of computers and he's been working on his typing Love and it. all of these things around something he already loves. And if you watch your child you'll be able to see what they love and then leverage that for learning. Hmm. It doesn't have to be eight hours a day of working out of textbooks, you know. What would you say to a parent who is, who, who says, and I've had those parents myself because of course I teach too, um, say that, oh, I go to work. I don't have time. When I come home, I'm too tired. I don't want to deal with this. What what would you say to that parent? You know, and I I get this a lot because um, I'm a single mother. Hmm. I have three children, one of whom is, is like I said, special needs. Hmm. I work a full-time job and I run Exploring Expression on the side. Wow. Okay. And, and I'm asked all the time, how do you find the time to homeschool your children? Hmm. And this is what I say. You will never find the time. You have to make it. <laughs> you will never find the time. You have to make the time. People make the time for what's important. And this is this is the analogy I give to a lot of people. Think about how much time you spend on social media. Okay. If you took 10 minutes out of every day away from social media and instead applied it to reading to your child, okay? Just took 10 minutes away from surfing Facebook or Twitter or all those places and instead read to your child. At the end of a year, you'll have read for two solid weeks to your child. Wow. The time is there. You have the time. The children are already doing something. They're, they're crying out for us to teach them. Mm. All we have to do is notice. Fascinating. Wow. And uh, talk to me about your um, company 
um, how are you surviving or how are you uh, or thriving, in fact, in COVID conditions? I mean, do you still have parents who are interested and and and, and, and wanting to understand their, uh, want to understand how learning and development should, should actually take place for a child? Okay. Well, so one of the benefits of how my company is structured is I don't do tutoring. Hmm. I'm not a tutoring company. Nice. Um, we, we do three specific things. One is we create um, quality education materials. Hmm. We create literature unit studies. We create, you know, math worksheets. I write children's books. And not only do I write the children's books, but I make unit studies to go with each of my children's books. Hmm. You know, and most of my children's books center around a theme of kindness or friendship or mental health. Like one of them that's out now is called Terrence the Saddest Stallion. And it's about dealing with sadness and depression. Hmm. Two children, four children. But the unit study also includes math and language arts and, you know, discussion questions and all of these things that go with it. So we create learning materials that parents can use with their children. The second thing we do is we create resources for parents. Nice. Um, that allow them to grow into their best expression. So I have things like um, on my Sunday at seven, every Sunday at seven, I go live on my Facebook channel. Nice. Well, the last week and this week, I'm talking about my household management binder, how to streamline the things that you're doing so that you can make the time to do the stuff you need to do. Mm. You know, um, I give, we do a lot of public speaking through my company. One of my most popular ones is called Maximizing Your Effectiveness, How to Make the Most of Your Time. Because to do all the things you want to do with yourself and with your children, you have to think about how you use your time, right? So we create, we create learning resources for children and for adults. Mm. Um, we write books. We do um, some custom curriculum development. So like parents, if they have a subject, and this has happened, they have a subject that their child is extremely interested in. Hmm. They can come to us, they can contact us and say, can you create a curriculum? This is how old my child is, and this is what they love. Hmm. And we can create a unit study for them that will inc- help them incorporate math and language arts and all of the things they want their child to learn within the confines of the things their child loves. We can help them do that. Wow. And so in, in COVID-19 really hasn't affected a lot what we do because we specialize in helping you do it yourself. Hmm. Fascinating. And um, how are you? Because uh, it seems like, look, you have three children, you have a job. Um, one of your children is special needs, and you're homeschooling that child as well. You're doing live sessions on on um, uh, on on Sunday. You're you're creating bespoke curriculums. How are you? Ma- how are you such an astute time manager? I just I just. I find that really hard to get my head around because I avoid 
things in my life that I know that will distract me from my goal of running my company, for example. But you have so many things going on. How do you get, how do you, I understand about finding time, but how, how can you concentrate in that time um, and, get, and, 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 and do a task really well with excellence? Well, one of the things I do is I teach my children how to learn. Hmm. And so once you've done that, I don't have to sit there and teach them every subject. And so if you look at my my home office, Hmm. I have my desk. Well, right next to me are the desks where the boys work. And so I do my thing and they do their thing. And, you know, periodically throughout the day. Now, there are some things that we have to do together, but periodically throughout the day, I just have to move them from one task to another Mm. because once what is the old adage where it's like, uh, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, Mm -hmm. teach him to fish and he'll eat for a life. True. Right. Teach a child something and they'll learn that thing. Teach a child how to learn and they spend a lifetime as a learner. Fantastic. And so you know, and I'm a great at time management. You know, I have a master's degree in project management. So I understand the time that's in my day. And I understand how to use that. How do I use the little bits of the time that we do? Like um, I mentioned, we make a lot of literature unit studies. Mm. Well, a lot of those books that will become unit studies for our business I listen to on Audible in the car on the way back and forth to dance lessons. That does two things. It mm. lets me do this part of my job of reading these books um, while I'm, you know, playing carpool mom. But also my children that are in the car are also reading those books. Mm. And we can have these discussions about them, right? Look at the time that you have in your day and how you could use it in multiple ways. How can you use the act of cooking dinner for your family? How can you turn that into a learning opportunity? Mm. Because if I'm teaching math while we're cooking recipes, I don't have to teach that math during the day. I can teach that math at dinner time. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really impressed, I must say, because uh, uh, your ability to, in a, in, a, in a way, you're multitasking, aren't you? But I wouldn't call it multitasking because uh, what you're doing is uh, you're hitting two birds with one stone. Uh, you're, you're, you're obviously listening or reading a book, but at the same time, you're making sure that your children also participate in that and they are also learning as well. Um, and and how did you how do you, how did you create this environment in your house of constant learning? Because I feel like parents today are uh, and like you rightly said before we started the podcast as well that we consider learning to be um, a, a very short uh, a momentary thing in a, in a sense that you you go to school and that's the area where you learn and then you come home and that's not and then you know learning finishes. So how do you how do you create an environment of constant learning? You have, it's a mindset. Mm. You know, there was a time in my life that um, I've been homeless and I've, I've gone wow. through some real struggle times. You know, I've had everything destroyed in tornadoes a couple of times. 
And through these times of struggle, right, you can either let it keep you down or you can look at it as a learning experience. Hmm. And once you start to view all of life as an opportunity for learning, Hmm. it changes how you look at everything you do. Because you start to look, you start to ask yourself instead of what can I get out of this? And instead you're asking, what can I learn from this? Hmm. And your perspective is unique in that sense, isn't it? Right. It changes. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to give. That's what Exploring Expression is trying to give to people is that idea of everything you do is an opportunity for learning. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. Mm. And once we, once we understand that concept, then it makes it easier to pass that to our children. Mm. Because if it's natural to us, it'll be natural to them. If you pay attention to how they learn. Teach them in the way that's natural to them, and it'll make it easier for both of you. Mm. If, if you try to teach them, and, you know, that that's something that public schools can't do. They just don't have the resources. There aren't enough teachers. There, aren't, there isn't enough money. There aren't enough yeah. buildings to yeah. teach every child in the way that's most natural to them. They get as close as they can. And as a society, you know, our job is to help them get closer every moment. But if we can pass on that idea to our children that learning is something you do every day because you're alive, you learn because you're alive, not because you're in school or not because you have something you need to accomplish, then those moments will present themselves. Hmm. Don't you think that parents need to before they even tell this to a child they need to apply that to themselves because i feel like the generation of parents that we have today have come from a working class or a lower middle class background where you go to work and you do your nine to five and you come home you don't and obviously obviously then you watch tv or you relax with your family have dinner and you go to bed that's the sort of family background i come from now um i don't know is if that was your if that was your upbringing as well but what i'm saying is that there is no learning in that environment whatsoever absolutely zero well isn't there I don't know. I, from my perspective, I'm looking at my uh, childhood, I, I and I'm looking at my parents. Uh, the learning part was between nine to five for them, yes. Um, but after after they come home, they had the same perspective that I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to take part in any more learning. I'm exhausted. They 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 think of learning as not a fun activity rather than um, rather than a like, rather than a chore. And, uh, and I think that's what happened in school these days as well. Why aren't kids interested in learning? Because they find doing homework and doing things that will stress them a chore. And, uh, and I think that's the mindset that needs to change. Now, yeah, I don't know definitely. whether you agree with me or not, but how would you change that if you do agree with me? Well, okay, let me pose this example. So... Please. A parent goes to work every day and they come home and they're tired and they just want to cook dinner, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they saw on TV the other day 
this um, new way of making lasagna. And they decide for dinner today, we're going to cook this other way of making lasagna that I saw in a commercial while I was watching my sitcom. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, they Google the recipe, you know, and back then it wasn't necessarily Google, but the same concept applies. Mm -hmm. they, they find the recipe, they try different things, they, they taste it and they see what works and they make a great dinner and they sit down and eat it. Now, the difference is our parents, you know, the generation before us, they don't think they learned anything there. That wasn't learning. That was making dinner. Mm -hmm. But they did. They, they learned about different cuisines. They did math when they learned about measurements. Mm -hmm. they, did, they did so many things in the practice of being curious about something they already do. Mm -hmm. the, the difference is they didn't consider it learning. Mm -hmm. It was an active learning. It was passive. It was following something. They were they were having fun, or they were making dinner, mm, or they yeah. were relaxing. They weren't learning. And the key is to, you know, and that's all part of that mind shift change that I'm talking about is getting people to understand that you're already doing it, mm. that you're already doing it. And so if you turn it from something, yes, exactly like you said, passive, is if you turn it from something that you're passively doing to something that you're actively doing, you'll get so much more out of it. Mm. That's true. Hmm. Okay. I mean, um, hopefully that will work. But um, now that I, I'm, I'm sure it has worked, right? I mean, you've had you've had clients that you have... Um, helped out and you've seen um, a certain level of success in in this method in applying this method yes yeah and, and it's not an overnight process it's, it's not and it's not an overnight process it's a um it's changed by degrees you know i spoke uh, about i guess the year before last at its uh homeschool conference mm. and i talked about changing the learning lifestyle, creating a culture of growth. That's what it's called now. It wasn't what it was called when I, um, when I gave that talk there. But what I talked about was the idea of you're already learning. Start by paying attention to the learning already inherent in your day. Mm. You know, and if parents, when parents come to me and say, okay, where do, where do I start for teaching my children? Where do you know, the, my children are home, they're not going to school, the COVID happens and now they're home with me. So where do I start? The first thing I'm going to ask them is, what do you like doing? What do you guys do already? Hmm. Find out what they're already learning. You know, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Find out what they're already learning and let's leverage that. Find out what books they're already reading and let's create a unit study for that. You know, yeah. find out that Minecraft, you can learn so much. Now, I don't understand Minecraft. But my boys love it, and they learn so much through it. Find out what's already there and use it. That's the biggest thing I, I tell parents when they come and they ask me, well, where do I start? Mm. I say, start by asking your child. Even if your child's only four years old, four-year-olds four love things. My, you know, my son asked for, he does competitive dance, and he asked for dance for Christmas for um, right before he turned five. Mm. and he's been doing it ever since they know what they want even at that age now it evolves 
but find out what they love and then do that. What do you, what would you say? Uh, what Actually, what's your view on video games, a child playing video games? Would you also consider that to be, could you create um, a learning material from, I know you said Minecraft already, but say if they're like playing like a shooting game or something like that, because I know a lot of a lot of students I know who are 14, 15, 16, all the way up to 18 that I teach, they love playing these violent video games. Now, how do you create a learning material around that if you do consider it to be a learning activity in the first place? If they're doing it, you can learn something from it. Hmm. Um, you know, Think of, let's say they love those, the, the army shooting games, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So we can teach strategy. We can teach problem solving. We can teach engineering. We can teach mathematics. We can teach geometry. Using that game, you know, what angle do you need to aim to hit your target? Damn. Wow. What kind of um, here's three weapons that they have available. Now, you know, mm. I'm not promoting violent video games by any <laughs> sort, but I'm saying if that's what your child is doing, if that's what your child is doing, you're a already okay with it because mm. they're doing it. Mm. And so let's use it. Let's say, you know, here are three different weapons available. Let's go back. You know, those weapons are based on real weapons. The weapons in video games are based, even if it's loosely, on a real weapon. Why don't we go back and find out what that is? I wonder if we could make a better version of that, and then we'll write a letter to the company and send them your better version. Hmm. So that's getting writing. It's getting research. It's getting engineering. It's getting a bit of history because those are based on historical things. Mm-hmm. All with the understanding of this is something you already love doing. Okay, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely, I 100% agree with you. This is fantastic. I mean, it's uh, for me, I have not thought of it in that way. And I've never communicated to any parent what you're saying, but it definitely makes perfect sense to me. Now, how uh, do you actually see... Um, a shift in the way your child operates mentally and a, another child that you know that is his friend. Can you see a difference? Because obviously you have this specific bespoke learning method for your child and you repeatedly do that. I'm sure it actually changes your child to be unique, to be different. I don't know whether that's actually true or not. Have you seen that different? Have you seen a disparity amongst other children and your children? Um, I'm not going to say necessarily a disparity because Mm. all children have this capacity. Mm. You know, my children aren't, aren't special or unique in, I'm of course they're special and unique because they're my children and I love them. Mm -hmm. However, this isn't something my children do that other children can't. Mm. All children have the capacity and will learn what they love. You're All right. children. Now, when you see a child that doesn't want to do anything, and we've all seen those children that just, 
they're not really interested in anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that comes from a, a pattern of their interests not being um, not being recognized. Mm. Small children don't start out not being interested in anything. They mm. grow that way. True. And if they grow, you know, kind of like plants, plants will grow in the direction that the light shines. Right. You True. be the light for your child, and they'll grow in the direction that you want. But they my, will do what you do. If if you want your children to read, let mm. them see you reading. Mm. Oh, good. If point. you want your yeah, if you want your children to, um, you know, my children started wanting YouTube channels because I had a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- these these things they don't just pull them out of the air, and so my son's friends watch him, mm. and. You know, they would come over. I get these um, subscription boxes from different places, right? We love subscription boxes. Mm-hmm. And I get these subscription boxes and my son's friends would come over and say, is this subscription box day? <laughs> are we going to are, are we gonna have a um, country feast day? Because we used to do these country feasts. Mm-hmm. So like on St. Patrick's Day, we'd have an Irish feast and have, you know, stuff from Ireland and we'd learn about Ireland and we'd watch um, geography now on Ireland, you know, they would come over because my children pass these on to their friends. Hmm. You know, if it's contagious, learning is contagious, just like a virus. You're right. It's actually, actually fun. Once you really involve yourself in it, it's really fun. But my question was specifically, you're right. Every child has a capacity, as you rightly said, but I think it's all about exercising that capacity. I personally feel that your child gets to exercise his potential, his abilities a lot more um, than a child who just goes home and his parents are not doing the same things that you're doing with your child. Now, the question becomes after that is that have you changed um, or have you seen any uniqueness? Have you seen a level of growth? Because the way you're t- the way you're talking about uh, teaching children now uh, says to me that your child is still very adaptable, and he's very he must be very creative because he can literally yes. pick apart yes. anything. Exactly. And I don't think uh, even to this day right now, because obviously I didn't have that upbringing, I find it difficult to to create something from scratch. And, uh, and, and, and obviously I, I, I want to, I really, I think about it, for example, I have a YouTube channel as well. I think about, you know, creating, for example, new shots, uh, to play in the video background when I'm talking about, for example, if I'm talking about fasting or if I'm talking about, uh, discipline and I want, I want, I want to show myself doing those certain things. I'm talking about certain steps, uh, to do, you know, to make yourself be more disciplined, for example. Now, uh, but, but. I, I I get uh, the reason the way I learn is to watch other people learn but I can tell that b- the way you're bringing up your kids they have the capacity to create from scratch how uh, do you see that uniqueness in your child al- only or do you or, and, and do you think that that's because of what you're doing with him or do you think that it's not unique to him and whatever you're doing if anybody else does it as well they'll be able to induce that in their child as well there there it is exactly hmm. the the ability 
to find the learning that you need to do what you want to do is not unique to my children. Mm. What I do that that's different from what a lot of people do is I give them that rein. You know, one of my favorite things is problem solve that. They come to me with, you know, um, my son loves um, costumes and pretending, you know, he makes up these elaborate stories with all mm. these costumes. And he comes up and he says, well, I want to be such and such. And I say, okay, problem solve that. And any child given the support and the reign to do so will flourish. It doesn't matter if they're five or they're 15. Mm. Give them that opportunity to love learning. And that, you know, and it's, it's going to be, it's a hard mental shift for a mm. lot of parents. Yep. It's something that has to be intentional. It's not, uh, it's not something you're going to wake up one day and say, oh, I love learning, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What, what's that phrase? Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Or believe it until you receive it. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and if you do it long enough, like any habit, it will come and you'll see the difference in your children. You'll see the difference in your child when you think is important what they think is important. And you show them that they can learn in something that they're already doing. You know, right now we're working on, uh, with my youngest child, we're working on learning to write cursive, right? Nice. And that's not something they do very much in our in our school system anymore. Of course. But for me, it's something that I think is interesting. And he came to me the other day and he says, do they have cursive in Greek? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, I don't know. So we did some digging and, you know, turns out they didn't. But they had another interesting type of writing. And we spent a significant amount of time um, seeing how the writing of cursive was different from this other writing, was different from, um, like, Asian writings. Mm. And come to find out, I don't know if you're aware, South Korea's, their, their, um, their script, their writing script, Mm-hmm. was actually created to make it easier for children to learn to read. Because the little pictures, um, from according to this thing that we, we read, the little pictures were meant to mimic the shape of the mouth when you say the sound. Mm. So this one question of, do you think they did cursive in Greek? We learned so much and it was so interesting. Wow. It's children ask questions all the time. And and any parent who has children at one time or another has said, why did I ever teach you to talk? Right? <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> because all they do is ask questions. Hmm. But when you start, you know, <laughs> I tell them, I say, A, fake it till you make it. And B, take all of their questions seriously. Hmm. Children don't ask a question they don't want an answer to. True. You know, and, and maybe the best place to start is to say, well, let's go. Let's find that out. Let's find out about that. You know, when, when your child says, how do double rainbows happen? <laughs> you know, instead of, you know, giving some stock answer, say, well, let's find that out. I'm sure there's a YouTube video and there is. I'm just saying there is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it drives drives curiosity. 
Hmm. Everybody is curious, even as adults. Think of all of the little things throughout the day that you wonder. I wonder this. I wonder that. Well, what if you took the time? Just pick one of those stray thoughts that come through your brain in a day and say, once a day, when I wonder something, I'm going to go find out. Right? Mm -hmm. So I have this journal, as I mentioned before, called 100 Things I Didn't Know Before. And that's what it does. It says for 100 days, learn something and write down something at the end of the day that you learned, whatever it is. And see, because what happens is a lot of times we don't see the learning we're already doing. Mm. And see how much we really do grow every day of our lives, whether you're six or whether you're 60. Mm. Every day you learn something, you're creating a synapsis in your brain and you're growing. Wow. Um, what is your mission in life? And do you think the work that you're doing is moving you towards that mission? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my mission in life is to change the way people think about learning. Hmm. Learning can get you through and get you over things that you might think are insurmountable. Hmm. Like I said, you know, um, I, I've had kind of a rough past hmm. and it took a long road for me to get to where I am today. But I, I do it and I keep going because I know there's something new. There's hmm. something new and there's something better. And that's through the idea of inherent learning, of a curiosity this world is magnificent. Mm -hmm. every, every, every individual thing that makes up the world we live in is magnificent. Why wouldn't you want to learn about it? Absolutely. That's the curiosity and the wonder about Earth that, that our children should have. And it has to start with us. True. It, it has to start with us. Well, your perspectives and your ideas and the things that you've put into practice are definitely unique and they have worked it clearly shows your mission in life is absolutely amazing and i know that you will Thank do you. wonders absolutely absolute wonders in making that mission um um a success basically so how do you and i'm sure this will go global because i'm sitting in the uk and I know, I know parents who are listening to this will find this of great value so if somebody wants to reach out to you and talk to you and understand your uh understand or explain their problems to you how do they reach out to you well um so i do have a website exploringexpression.com mm -hmm. and um you can always email me at exploring expression at gmail. Um, I'm also on, like I said, I'm on uh, Facebook and I'm on Instagram, um, all exploring expression. I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, j just send me an email or send me a message or like I said, go to my website and there's a whole bunch of things. My website's currently um, getting a facelift. Mm -hmm. So by next week, it's going to be really something special. And all of my books you can find um, on the website. And there's ways if you need um, if you need help creating a custom curriculum, not just for your family, but I also work with like um, 
nonprofits, right? No. Mm-hmm. I just created one for teenage mothers. Um, wow. you know, to help them help them start that journey well. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, j- just reach out yeah. to me, and I would love to connect with uh, anyone who needs it. Of course. Um, any other of the um, details that you've just said, I'll all include them all in the show notes. So anybody who wants to get in touch with Brandy can easily do that. No problem whatsoever. And I really appreciate and I really thank you for coming on and sharing your perspectives and sharing your thoughts and kind of uh, making me and all, definitely my listeners think uh, a different way about learning and different way about uh, um, approaching education and, and learning and development. So thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye. This was Vital Educators Podcast by Ahmed Saki. Hope you enjoyed. Please follow or subscribe for more content every week.